0: I'm going to speak to you this morning about seeing yourselves in Scripture. It's a tremendous thought and a tremendous uh, uh, goal for the Christian to start to not just read their Bible and not just even study their Bible, but to see themselves in the Bible. A lot of people miss that. Uh, the Pharisees never saw themselves in the Scripture. They only saw uh, what they wanted to see, and there are a lot of Christians who cherry-pick and only see the good parts or whatever, and uh, that's not why the Bible was written. As a matter of fact, I need you to take your Bible. We're going to go to James, and that's going to be our main place for these next two weeks. The book of James, toward uh, the end, after Hebrews, comes James. In James chapter 1, starting in verse 23, I'm just going to do 23, 24, 25, and we'll go back to verse 19. Verse um, 19. Uh, in just a few minutes. But James chapter 1, there in your New Testament, toward the end of the New Testament, there in verse chapter 1 and verse 23, the Bible says this. This is uh, James, the stepbrother of Jesus. James chapter 1, verse 23, For if any, any of us be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is likened to a man beholding his natural face in a glass. And when the Bible talks about a glass, he's talking about a looking glass, a mirror, For he beholdeth himself, so he sees himself, and then he goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. And I wish that you would circle the word forget, and then the word manner, because he, in a heartbeat, just doesn't even pay attention to what he just saw. And then the manner, not just how he looks, okay, but what he's like. And he forgetteth what manner of man he was was verse 25 but whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty that's the bible isn't that a wonderful way to talk about the bible the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein you say you know i used to be excited i used to be passionate about my walk with god i used to worry about whether i was close to god or far away well you're, you're missing you're missing a lot of christianity because christian is supposed to continue in the closeness to the word of god he be He continueth therein, and and being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. And believe me, it is work to obey the Bible. This man shall be blessed in his deed. Now, one of the main reasons why God wrote the scriptures was to show us ourselves as we are. And thank God that he knows us as we are, and he takes us as we are, okay? But he wants to show us our nature. He wants to show us what we're like. And a lot of us don't even know what we're like. Uh, we rarely listen. Anybody else tell us what we're like? But it was not written to honor us. It was not written us to sh- uh, to make us feel better about ourselves. But it was used. It was written to show us as we really, how we really are. To expose us. So, uh, you know, newspaper reporters used to write like the Bible does. They used to write articles that that were that went after truth. They wanted to find out what somebody actually was doing on such such date and uh, where they were and, and what happened that night or so on and so forth. And um, uh, the Bible is not like modern newspapers and news reporters that are so opinionated that they're a complete waste of time for any, any Christian to read. If you're reading the newspaper, you're wasting your time because they're not delving into the background and asking the hard questions. Huh. Uh, this book... The Bible you hold in your hand goes deep into the hearts, the thinking, the backgrounds of both the greatest and most wicked men and women in history and shows us not only how people used to be, but also shows ourselves and how we still are today. Did you get that? Not only talks about people as they used to be, but it shows us as we are still today. Even though um, uh, we are living so many thousands of years after people like Sarah and Moses, and David, and Jonah, and Peter, and Mary, and Judas lived, we are no different. And the worst part is this. People today actually believe that we are more moral. That's what I see. People are more moral than people used to be 50 years ago, 100 years ago, 1,000 years ago. They think they're better. They've evolved, but God gave us a Bible in the 21st century, so the 20, gave us a Bible 2,000 years ago, finished it, to give 21st century men and women something to show us what we really like. He gave us a mirror, all right? So he didn't just give us a simple mirror. Now, I was looking for a portable mirror, a handheld mirror, but you know what I'm talking about when I say a mirror, maybe a mirror on the wall, or maybe a mirror in, 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 you, know, you can pick up and hold and look at your face or look at your, your neckline or so on and so forth. But the Bible's not a normal mirror, all right? It's a 3D mirror, if I could compare it to that. It's a mirror that'll show you every side of yourself. Have you ever been in a, um, a uh, fun fair and you go into a house of mirrors? You can actually see you from the behind, which is kind of freaky as you walk and all of a sudden you're looking at this angled mirror there and it bangs around. All of a sudden you're looking at your back end and the Bible's able to see you from every direction. You and I, we only see what we want to see. We only see what we normally see. But the Bible's like going to a doctor and that doctor taking an x-ray and showing you under the skin, showing you maybe where a break is or where the source of pain is. And uh, one thing that's kind of unique when I thought about this, it's not like, you know, you go into a, a fun fair and you go into the house of mirrors and there are all these warped mirrors that make you look tall or fat or skinny or whatever. The Bible doesn't twist anything. The Bible's very flat and plain. It shows you as you really are, and uh, you better you better take heed to it. Even though it may be an old mirror, and I got to think about this as well. Even though the Bible is old, a mirror is still a mirror. And some of the new mirrors, I don't I don't know. They got all the finagle. You know, some of these mirrors uh, today, they've got electronics and they can show you the weather and put. All... What you need is a mirror. Not technology. You need something, I don't care how old it is, that can show you as you really are. Now, how does it work? How does this Bible mirror work? And again, I'm going to develop these things over the next, over this week and next week. But it allows us, it shows us, sorry, it shows us living, breathing examples of people living by faith and also people living by folly, living like there's no God. Uh, and there are thousands of people in your Bible. You've got to think about all the names of people in your Bible. Those are real people who lived their lives from Adam to Aaron, from Eve to Esther, from Noah to Nimrod, and from John to Jesus. You've got all those people for you to be able to look at and go, oh, that's just like me. I never saw myself that way. I always give the illustration when I was at Bible college and uh, didn't really think I was that impatient or anything, but one evening... At about 4.59, I uh, was waiting in line in the cafeteria to go for dinner. And uh, there was a guy in front of me, right at the, right at the doors, the glass doors were open. They were locked. Now at five o'clock, the door would open. Well, five o'clock hit, and you could see the clock on the wall. It was five o'clock and those doors still were locked. And that guy in front of me sat there, pulled up his watch and rattled that door and pointed to that clock, as if to say, it's five o'clock, open the door. He was impatient. And you know what, I stepped back and I went, is that what I'm like? Now, I could have mocked him. I could have said, hey, guy, this, that. But at that moment, I looked at him and I saw myself. So that's what the Bible is there for. It's filled with people who lived and failed in the very same ways that you and I do. You know, you can learn the consequences of adultery without ever having to experience it. You can learn the benefits of patience as you read your Bible. You can find the power of loving God and loving God's people. You'll find the joy of winning souls, you'll see it in the Bible, and the heartache of living for the world. And you'll discover the destruction that comes from rebelling against God's way and God's will. You see, you'll find yourself in the pages of the Bible. You'll you, you find out where you're at, and you'll find out where you're going. And if you'll carefully read and learn from the pages of this book, you'll find that it's not like any movie has ever been made. There are no choreographed acting in the Bible. There's no scripting, no scripts were memorized, uh, and no green screens behind the people of the Bible. They they really went through that, Job lost everything. Abraham had to walk away from family, from money, from his own plans, and just walk out not knowing whither he went. But if you take your Bible and go to Hebrews, go back to chapter 4, I'll show you our next verse here, Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12. I'll show you the third way it works, okay? And it exposes us, shows us what we're like, but it exposes not just the outside, it exposes our heart. Hebrews 4.12, just a few pages back, Hebrews 4.12, the Bible says this, For every high priest taken on, in chapter 5, verse 1, chapter 4, verse 12, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow and is a, again, the word of God is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Now that word discern is the circle, the word, the emphasis there, the circle. That Bible uses the word discern and it means the critic of your heart, the fault finder of your heart, the judge of your heart. That Bible exposes you, criticizes you. These are the words of God Almighty. They're not the words of James or Peter or John or Moses. These are the words of God. And uh, uh, you know, a lot of people, they'll go to the doctor and believe every word. They go to psychologists, psychiatrists, and look for somebody to give them answers. These are not the words of men. They're not the opinions of writers and authors. They are the words of God. So you ever noticed that we are basically a bunch of hypocrites? I mean, let's be honest. That's what we are. I mean, you might have followed you around for a couple of hours. They'll see you're not very Christian all the time. We're mainly unhappy with life. We complain a lot. That's us. And we're hypercritical of everyone that we're around. Now, you may not think you are, but I bet you I bet you the people around you would be able to tell you, yep, yep that's that's him that's her uh and um you know what the problem is we're not letting the bible show us what we're like and so we become worse in works uh men's sins become worse and worse the bible says unless there's a change so uh let me show you the fourth thing that the bible does as a as a mirror i mean just by looking at it just by paying attention to it and letting it reflect back on us it does a couple of things second corinthians now Go back to the left, find 2 Corinthians chapter 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 18, the last verse of chapter 3. 2 Corinthians three eighteen says this, But we all, with open face, beholding as, looking as in a glass. Again, it's the idea of looking in a mirror, a looking glass. We're all beholding, with an open face, no veil, no makeup, no, ladies, no lipstick, no eyelashes. I mean, just plain Jane. But we all, with, an open, with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord. That's what we see in the Bible. We see His glory. We don't see ours. And we are changed into the same glory, into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. There's a lot to unpack in that verse, but just understand this. You know, when you're looking in there and you see yourself, God is trying to show you how He changed them and how He would like to change you and me. And He changes bit by bit from glory to glory to glory to glory to glory all the way to becoming like Jesus. There's one more verse I'd like you to look at, and that's Psalms. Middle of your Bible, Psalm 1. Show you the benefits, but what the Word of God does just by you paying attention to it, loving it, reading it, and doing it. Psalm chapter one and verse one. Look at these three verses, you know, in our twelve weeks to freedom, and you know, whenever there's there's any emphasis on scripture memorization, these verses always show up because they are fundamental. They're the they're the beginning truth that everybody needs to believe and know. And look at verse one. It says. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. That means his his life is not wrapped around the news, RTE, and all the counsel, the news opinions in the newspaper. Nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, looking down on and criticizing everybody. But his delight is where? Is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. That's the word of God being thought of and and listened to and meditated on. Verse three, and he, this is the result, shall be like a tree, planted by the rivers of water, not on a desert, but right by the water, that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. You know, a tree that doesn't produce any fruit is no good at all. It may be pretty, but it has no purpose. And his leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. So you want your life to be success? You want your life to be prosperous? Then stay in the book. Meditate on the book, all right? Because it will change you. But I got this thought. If we make the efforts, if only we would make the effort to see ourselves as we truly are in the mirror of God's word, then, it'll, then it will change us, then it will benefit us, okay? Then it will expose us and show us where we're messed up. But if, but none of the pages of the Bible, which were meant to save you and meant to change you, they'll do you no good unless we make the effort to see ourselves as we really are and in the mirror of God's word. The Bible, and I, again, I thought about this, the Bible is owned by billions of people on this planet, but it's not read and it's not even heard. So we're gonna get started on this here now, and uh, let's pray. Father, I pray that you would hear our request. Lord, this one request is that we would learn to hear you. We are so desperate sometimes for you to hear us, and maybe we need to turn around and decide that the, the real problem is we're not listening to you. We're not hearers. And and really, you compare it to seeing ourselves in a mirror. And and if we only we would pay attention to what we're being shown in the scripture. So bless the, the truths this morning. Bless us, God, with hearing ears and seeing eyes. And help us with a heart that doesn't fight you, but that yearns to be changed. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. Go back to James. That's where we're going to... We'll look at several scriptures here, but that's where we're going to focus because James is going to challenge us to look at ourselves. And You say, well, that's, that's, that's easy. It's actually the hardest thing he'll ever do, uh, especially as a man. Uh, ladies are very uh, careful about seeing themselves in a the mirror. I mean, they'll, they, they'll take a long time in front of the mirror. Guys, normal guys... We'll pass right by and think perfection, okay? And that's how we treat the Bible. And so, but unfortunately, ladies treat the Bible like guys treat mirrors. So let's get both those things right where men and women, boys and girls, we treat the Bible like we should, like the proper mirror that it is. We're going to look in verse 19, James chapter 1. And I want to whet your appetite that we're going to get to uh, verse 21 and stop. But until then, there's some things I need to lay the foundation for and, and challenge us with this morning because we got to stop just listening to preaching. we got to start doing what we hear. We've got to stop just reading the Bible. We've got to start paying attention enough to start doing it, whatever we see in the Bible. So look in verse 19, James chapter 1, read verse 19. It says this, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man, he's speaking to Christians, be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. Now, that's good advice. That's great advice in dealing with people, but this, James is dealing with us and in our relationship to the Word of God. So, the first thing that James starts with is the emphasis and the importance of hearing. Uh, I know it seems like I'm talking to the choir when I'm saying you better listen to the Bible, but is it, am I talking just to the choir? Notice it says, let every man Do you and everyone in your family actually read and and listen to the Bible that you hold in your hand? Or is it maybe just you? Deuteronomy chapter six, why don't you go there? Deuteronomy chapter six, starting in verse four. Back in the Old Testament, the fifth book of the Old Testament law, Deuteronomy chapter six and verse four says this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy might. It's a great commandment, isn't it? And these words which I, commi- I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. Watch this. These words, circle that, need to be in your heart. Verse 7. And not just in your heart, you need to be in the, the hearts of the people around you, around that table. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. And so talk of them when thou uh, sittest in thine house, when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. It goes on. And Moses is quoting God saying that these words need to be in our heart and need to be in the heart of the people that we love most and that we live with, our family. Now, James says not just hear it, but we need to be swift to hear it. That's a unique way of talking. Uh, You know, when I was a kid, when my mom called, she usually only called once, and we had to run. When my dad snapped his fingers, and he did sometimes, or when he called my name, I had to go. I had to run. There was no, what? You know, I'm busy. No, no, no. Uh, I was swift to go and find out what they needed me to hear. Now, that's gone in most homes, but it definitely needs to be back, and it definitely needs to be back in church among Christians. Swift to hear. That means where you're quick to hear what God is saying and not what RTE is saying. And for the last 15 months, everybody's been almost desperate to hear the RTE 6 p.m. news report on how many people have got COVID, so on and so forth. How many have died And they're instant to turn on the news. When was the last time you were that anxious about what is God saying? And you see, one of them's always emphasizing death and the Bible's emphasizing life. And we're, we're we're neglecting it. Swift to hear it means earnest about every word. Speedy, racing, hungry, passionate, ready to hear. It's like it's like when you're starving, and uh, uh, you're ready to eat as soon as dinner's on the table. And you're like, come oh, on, come on, everybody sit down, let's eat. You're 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 ready. And I I I, I beg of you. Decide to be like that when it comes to church. Come to church. Preacher, when is preaching starting? When are we worshiping? When are we giving? When when do we get to do? Swift. Uh, Hearing is the most important thing to do with the Bible for for a new Christian. All right. You got to learn some things and then you start doing. Now, the older you get as a Christian, you start doing, okay? But hearing, that's fundamental. James else is to hear. That means to listen, not argue, uh, not fight with what is written, but letting God speak, not prejudging. You know, a lot of people come to the Bible and they go, it's a racist book. The Bible, uh, well, it's, 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 uh, it's, an, it's a piece of literature that's out of date. That's prejudice. Uh, I remember a man, a preacher, a friend of mine, telling me, he talked to a professor one time and says, oh, I've read the Bible, the professor says. Really? So I think I've read it twice. He he said, really? Did you read the book of Hezekiah? And he says, yeah, that was was one of the most interesting books in the Bible. He says, there is no book of Hezekiah. He hadn't read it at all. But boy, that guy was really negative about the Bible. So make sure that we're not just prejudging the Bible or assuming things. And boy, do we make big doctrinal problems when we assume things. Um, But uh, uh, carefully considering what God said it's called respect, giving God the chance to speak. Go to Ecclesiastes. I know I've got you looking around, but again, the verse tells us there, it says, be swift to hear. I need you to, have, need you to understand how important it is to just stop and listen. Ecclesiastes, now it's right after Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes chapter five, what a great chapter and a great verse. Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, chapter 5. The Bible says this. Am I in the right place? Let me make sure. Ecclesiastes 5.1. Keep thy foot when thou goest to the house of God. I wonder what that means. You, you just ponder to that for a second. Keep thy foot, which means stand still. Don't be itching to leave. Keep thy foot when thou goest to the house of God. And be more ready to hear than to give the sacrifice of fools. Now, in the Old Testament, people go to the house of God and they bring a lamb, or they bring two turtle doves, or whatever, and they were quick to just give it and run, not, not listen to the preaching, not listen to somebody teach the Bible. And there's a lot of people like that. The preacher, would you just get it over with? I want to go home. The Bible says, "Let uh, keep your foot, hold it still. Be more ready to hear, just to listen." Than to do all the rituals, the ceremonies, the traditions, whatever you used to doing in church. Let's take you to another. one. go to Matthew seven, Matthew chapter seven, Matthew seven verse twenty-four, seven twenty-four. Therefore, whosoever hears our word heareth these sayings of mine. Are you listening? Do you take them seriously? Whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them. We'll talk about that next week, but just focus this. I will liken him unto a wise man, smart guy, which built his house upon a rock. Now, what's the rock? It's what Jesus said, not what Peter says, but what Jesus said. Okay, not what I say, but what Peter said. And the rain descended, the floods came, verse 25, and the winds blew and beat upon the house, and it fell not, for it was founded the house was built upon a rock. And verse 26, And everyone that heareth these sayings, now they're both in church listening, but only one of them is actually going, I hear what he says, and I'm going to do what he says. Everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened to a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. Now they both have houses. They both have put a lot of time into the windows and the roofs and the, the walls and the paint and the, the, uh, the curtains. But the foundations wrong with this guy, and the rain descended, and the floods came, just like the rain came to the other guy on the on the rock, and the winds blew and beat upon that house, and it fell. And great was the fall of it. Why? Because the foundation was wrong. What? One more. Luke eighteen, Luke eighteen, and verse eight. Luke eighteen and verse eight. I tell you that he will ink. Mm, no. I hit it reverse. Luke 8, 18. <laughs> Luke 8, 18. I'm excited. I get to preach today, amen? <clears throat> Luke 8, 18. Take heed. That means pay attention. Take heed, therefore, how ye hear. Now, I know when need is talking to me sometimes, my mind wanders, and I look away, and I start to see maybe there's cobwebs in the corner, or you know, um, there's grass to be mowed. Uh, no, no, take heed how you hear. Uh, for what's for whosoever hath, to him shall be given. I'm not talking about the money that you have or the houses you have, but the truth that you have. To the person who has and holds on to what they've heard, this is probably the most important scripture of this entire message. To whosoever has heard in his whole what you have the bible goes on and says to him shall be given more so when you pay attention god will give you more and whosoever hath not all right so you come to church and just phew, 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 bounces right off you misses you don't get anything out of church you're never going to get anything god's not going to give you any more. god needs you to start to want to hear and to get what he's saying So, um, uh, really, hearing is the most important thing you can do when you come to church. That means paying attention and getting what is said. You know, I'd, I'd probably be in hell by now if one day, back there on the 15th of June, 1980, I didn't finally hear what was being said that was being preached as if it was preached to me. As if I was the one for whom Jesus died. I was the one that deserved hell, that I was the one that was a sinner. See, I could sit there all day and listen to him to preach to everybody else, but I needed Jack Humbert to preach to me. I needed to hear those words as if they were written only to me. Goodness, I've got a lot to say. I'll probably say it next week. But um, uh, start by having a dedicated quiet time where there's no interruptions. No, no phone. Don't use your phone as your quiet time. I know you may be at a place where you can't listen to the Bible or read your Bible. You know, you can actually listen to, to the Bible on your phone. That's cool, all right? But get you a book called The Bible. Get some time, 30 minutes, where you sit down and no interruptions, no phone notifications, nothing. Where just you listen to God. Uh, reading every word Reading it out loud, uh, Nita's been doing a lot of that while we've been traveling. We've tra- I actually am afraid to look at how many, I think we've been in the car 260 hours. I drove 14 hours yesterday. And uh, in that time, Nita's read through the Bible, and I want to say almost twice. And is reading out loud, and I love it. It's just my curse is I can't stop her and say, "Well, let me write this down because I've got a thought." I want, so I'm actually just enjoying listening and hearing the word of God. Uh, Now you don't have to listen to ten hours a day, five hours a day, two hours a day. That's, That's not the point. But are you listening? And reading out loud is actually very beneficial. Where you even hear yourself reading out loud, you'll you'll get more out of it. And read it to one another. Read it to the family and listen as if it was written to you. Matthew 21, I'll show you another verse here, Matthew chapter 21. Matthew chapter 21 in verse 45. 21, 45, and when the chief priests, and this is just after Jesus was speaking, and then when the chief priests and the Pharisees had heard his parables, they perceived that he spake of them. <laughs> they realized he's talking about us, perfect amen well done maybe you need to perceive that too no matter how rough the message may be or how encouraging take it to heart you know people say well, well don't take it personally you need to when it comes to the Bible okay you need to uh, Romans 10:17 don't go there but you know the verses so then faith cometh by hearing I mean you don't even have you could be blind you could you could you know uh, you could be, Ignorant of anything and everything going on around you. But if you hear the Bible, you don't have to know where the comma is or the semicolon or the apostrophe. But if you heard the word of God, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The word of God is what you and I need to hear. Uh, you don't listen to this. And your wife may feel she needs to nag you. Your husband may need to yell at you. Let me tell you, those things don't change a man. Those things don't change a child. What changes us is looking into the scripture and hearing it for ourselves. So we'll go back to James there. James chapter one, look at verse 19 and 20. James one, we'll read verse two verses now. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, you back there? James one, 19. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear. Now that's where I stop, but I want to keep going now. Slow to speak, slow to wrath, For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Now you think about that. What are you upset about? Well, that's point two. You and I need to resist doing what we normally do. Um, When it says uh, slow to speak and slow to wrath, it means hold yourself back. You ride a horse and the horse is prone to bolt and to... Uh, race and and it gets very dangerous you got to learn how to hold that rein and pull back on it and stop it from from galloping too fast we to throw you and when your tongue starts to race and starts to cut down and starts to react you need to you need to find god's help to pull back on it and resist saying what you want to say arguing uh slow to wrath resist getting angry and i want to say in context this is getting angry with god now, I know we can apply it with getting angry with each other. You know, be more prone to listen than, than to react. But that's how we need to do it with the Bible because we're a lot of people, I meet a lot of Christians who are bitter against God. They got angry and they walked away. So resist the arguing in your head. What are you doing right now while I'm preaching? Uh, letting interruptions going along, being too busy. You know, there are too many people who are just too busy to have time for the Bible, to have time for church. Uh, Be swift to hear at church. Slow to be speaking your own opinion. Let God speak. You know, two people talking at the same time cannot be heard. Is that not true? So resist the urge to be busy. Just pick up bits and pieces like you probably already are doing with other people, you know, in a discussion. That's what Couch Church has done. It's a very bad idea to have Couch Church. We need to be in each other's bubble. We need to be around each other. We need to -to face-to-face, heart-to-heart, talk. One-to-one. God calls us to gather together. And I hope you'll start gathering together. And and if you haven't started coming back to church, it's time. Okay? Uh, Because church is assembling together as one group, one body. Now, make protected time for just reading and hearing the Bible. I already said that. Your Bible has to have protected time. You need to have regular time. Now, I've been traveling, and it's hard to make protected time, but you've got to. And if you've got a schedule, make Bible reading part of your schedule. I like how Mary, not the mother of Jesus, but Mary, a friend of Jesus, Mary and Martha, it says that Mary sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. She sat down while Martha's running around trying to get food. Mary sat herself down right at his feet and didn't interrupt him, didn't do anything else, but just listen to him and heard his word. And that takes effort. We interrupt each other. You ever get into a discussion and boop, 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 I'm guilty of it. We interrupt. We want to say our piece. We want to say, no, no that's not right. Well, do you do that with God? I bet you do. We cut off each other. We ignore what other people are trying to say. You know, after five, 10, 15 minutes, that's about all the people can take of preaching these days. And you know where that came from? Your television. You They, they know it's time to inter, uh, interject a break and to go to a commercial because your mind's already wandering. And we've been programmed so we can't sit. The old time preachers used to preach two hours because that's all they had. They had them for two hours and they'd go a whole week and the people when they came, they brought their lunch. They they came, they sat and they, maybe they'd have a break in the middle of the thing, but they would sit there for hours. Paul preached all night long. You know, we change channels and there are people right now who are like, "Uh, I'm gonna go check something else. I, I gotta go check the clothes. I gotta go get dinner going. Can I tell you? Can I rebuke you and say you need to hear what thus saith the Lord? You need to hear what this preacher is saying because I'm trying to teach you about hearing the word of God. Um, uh, Saying what you think when God is trying to tell you what he thinks is an argument. Be slow to speak. How many of you listening to me right now are going back and forth in your mind about everything else? You're worried about lunch, about school tomorrow, about hobbies that you need to get started, or chores that need to be done, or girlfriend you want to contact, boyfriend, boredom, whatever's going through your mind. Be careful. Be careful not to, um, uh, to miss the time in the Word of God. Because there's a lot of work to work on. James doesn't just say be slow to... Uh, uh, speak and slow to, to wrath, he goes on. Look at verse 21. Wherefore, lay aside all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. Now that's a powerful scripture that tells us there are two things that we got to battle against. One of them's is called filthiness. Now that's not Filthiness with, you know, just being dirty under the fingernails. I mean, my mom used to check my fingernails and say, go now, go back and wash your hands. Not filthiness uh, on the outside. But when he says filthiness and the superfluity of naughtiness, he's saying everything that's filthy on the inside, like filthy thoughts, filthy thinking, filthy words, filthy desires. So every time you see the word filthy in the Bible, put thoughts and heart Okay, filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness. Superfluity means like you pour a cup of coffee and it overflows. That's superfluid. And superfluity means too much naughtiness. Now, naughtiness is an old King James word, 1611. It didn't mean what it means today. It meant meant wicked. Today we say, oh, look how naughty. Oh, as if it's just, ha, 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 it's funny. No, naughty in the Bible Meant something that was very wicked, like being rude and mockery and arrogance and pride. Those are naughty sins, those are w- wicked sins. And he uses a word there, he says, well, use the words lay aside. It means to lay something apart from you, put it, put distance between you and that. Whatever God is, What? listen, this is the context. You read the Bible, you hear what it says, it tells you. To put away lying. At that moment, God is cutting off lying from your life and you need to put distance between you and ever lying again. That's what he's saying. If I preached and I said it's time for you and I to start going soul winning, you need to put aside everything, lay aside all the things that stop us from being able to go soul winning on a Saturday or on a different evening where we make time for it. If I preach about arrogance or pride and I deal with your pet sin, you need to say, you know what, that's in the Bible, so it's right and I'm wrong. And God just dealt with me about my attitude, about my way of talking, about the spirit I have, and I lay it, God's trying to cut it off, I let it go. And I put distance between me and that sin. Lay it aside, put it in the trash, don't go back after it. Don't open up the trash. Don't don't find the rubbish and go looking for that old sin of yours. It's dead, it's gone. Lay it aside, lay aside all things that God shows you are wrong in your life. So when you read 2 Samuel chapter 11 from now on, and you read about David as he seeks an adulterous encounter with Bathsheba, you need to let it strike your heart that maybe you tonight could be doing the same thing as you, Channel Hop. You need to see yourself in 2 Samuel chapter 11, not just David. Well, it could be you, ladies. Listen to me. could be you. When you're flirting, when you're being sweet towards some other man besides your husband, and you're showing off what other men don't need to see, you need to realize, you know what? Bathsheba didn't put up an argument with David. As a matter of fact, when he called for her, She was glad to come home to his home alone and stay with him. Watch your own attitude. Ladies, don't you see this Bible is written not just about men, but it's written about ladies and about our own hearts and how we do give in to sin. Next time you're reading about Peter being ashamed of Jesus before that that, uh, fire there and that crowd accusing Jesus, When, when Peter was there on the night of his betrayal, uh, put yourself in his shoes and say, would I do that? I bet you I would. I bet you I might be a little embarrassed of being mocked and persecuted and being being accused of being a disciple of Jesus. God, deliver me from not seeing myself in Peter. When you read about Moses and he gets angry at the children of Israel, I mean, he got furious at them. They pushed and provoked him and he got so angry that God said, okay, Moses, they first blew it, but then you blew it. And now you can't get into promised land. Not yet. You'll get in there later, but you're going to have to die outside of the promised land. You need to see yourself in there and say, you know, my anger might just cost me God's blessings in this life. Might cost me God's rewards in the next life. I I don't want that to happen. God, I see myself in Moses right now. Now, be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. Uh, be very careful about being angry with God, being angry with the will of God. I bet there's some of you listening to my voice, listen to this message. I bet you've struggled with the will of God. Struggle is good. It's okay. I mean, you wonder, is God really calling me? Is God, is, is God actually going to use me? I don't know what goes through your mind. I failed before. So what? The problem is when you start to argue with God, like Jonah did, and you start to resist God, and then you get bitter at God, and then you get angry and wrathful, and then I don't want to do anything for God. Where did that begin? It began when you didn't let God show you what He wanted you to do with your life. Be careful about the anger. So, you know, anytime I may be preaching along just fine, and you're fine until I preach on wives, submit to your husband, and then the blood pressure goes (laughs) up, and then the eyes start darting, and then the tongue becomes sharp, Hmm. I'm telling you, watch the wrath. Watch, this, watch the spirit that's behind how you feel when I'm preaching and when you read your Bible. That's an indicator. That's an indicator that you're not letting God show you how you really are. And he's not just showing you to be critical of you. He's showing you so he can change you. Hallelujah. <laughs> just shout for a minute. Just praise God. The reason why he's showing you the mess is so that he can fix you. He'll change you from glory to glory. Now, I know this is foreign to some of you. You've never heard anything like this. You've never ever heard anybody tell you you need to look at yourself in the Bible, but I'm asking you to consider doing that now. You see, we all want a Bible that pats us on the back. We want a preacher who just only sees our good. But Jesus' words made the Pharisees furious. And it frustrated Pilate and it confused the Athenians up on Mars Hill. But if you'll listen and you'll stay a while, they'll save you. They'll give you sanity. They will be the source of blessing in your life. Now, Next week, I'm going to talk to you about the next step, which is the doing. I mean, Jesus said it, why call ye me Lord, Lord, and not do the things which I say? I'm going to talk to you about. The next verse, if you read there, it says, verse 22, but be ye doers. Don't be angry. Don't be constantly in superfluity of naughtiness and filthiness. No. Be ye doers of the word. I'll say a little heady. If you'll start to do right, God will help you. You don't have to stop doing wrong. you got to want to, and you got to lay it aside. Turn away from it, but Start doing right, and God helps you. It's a miracle work, man. But next week, I'm going to show you uh, scriptures that not only comfort you, but show you as you really are. Maybe you're argumentative. Maybe you're an angry person. Maybe you're proud, haughty, selfish, lustful, uncaring, hypocritical. Maybe you're unsaved. This book is meant to show you how you really are, and I hope it, I, I want it to scare you. I want it to, want you to realize it's it's written to scare you and make you think in your heart of hearts, I'm in trouble. Um, because if you just continue to live the way you are, you might just lose everything, including your own soul. And it's written to push you, to press you into a new way of living. It doesn't come easy, but it comes by God being able to tell you what to do. And you say, okay, yes, Lord. So by review, let me say this. The Bible is a mirror to show us ourselves. How does it work? Well, it shows us real people. I mean, there are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of names of people in their lives there. And at least a tenth of them will reflect what you and I are just like. All right? Probably more than that. It'll expose your heart. And as you read it, it'll bless you because it'll change you. It'll feed you. It'll stabilize you. But only if you'll make the effort, only if you'll make the time this week to read it. Do you actually take time to hear what it says? Do you let it speak to you? I mean, when you read these scriptures, you let it, I mean, when it says there, uh, wherefore, my beloved brethren, put your name in there, my beloved Craig. Be swift to hear, Craig. Slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of Craig worketh not the righteousness of God. Doesn't help God out at all. Didn't even deal with that. But just make it about you. (laughs) I mean, everybody's so wrapped up in themselves until they get to the Bible. Well, now's the time to say, Lord, you got me. Hmm. Do you still resist what God is saying? Just continually doing what you normally naturally do? Why not start resisting what you normally naturally already do? Stop resisting staying in bed on Sunday morning. Stop resisting arguing and speaking when you need to just shut up and listen. Why don't you start just the, resisting the wrath and the anger and the bitterness? Say, I'm not going to go down there anymore. I want to have a right relationship with God. I want to have a right relationship with God's people. And dear friend, this is if you're not saved, if you have found that reading the Bible was hard on you. It, was usually, it usually cut you instead of making you feel better than wonderful. Then what, has, what it is, that is what it was supposed to do. It was supposed to save your soul. I'm going to read this, verse 21, and I'm done. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness and receive. Just accept with meekness, humility, with an, with an empty life. With meekness, the engrafted word. Now, I can't talk about that. It's just, it means it's got life in it. It's got everything grafted in it, not just words. It has the Spirit of God in it, the life-giving Spirit of God. Receive the engrafted word, which is able to save your souls. You cannot be born again until you realize you were born wrong the first time. You were born a sinner, just like your parents were. And you will die and be separated from God and from everything and everyone important to you forever in a lake of fire unless you turn to Jesus Christ right now and ask him with all your heart to save you and forgive you and to help you follow him. That's all you have to do. Just cry out to him with meekness. Say, I take what you say in the Bible to be true. And if you tell me you love me, if you tell me you want me, then I want you and I take you now. Will you do that? Father, bless the hearing of your word today. Because that's what we need right now and if somebody's not saved right now whether on youtube whether facebook or whether at church god pray somebody cries out to you from the heart and says god i didn't like what i heard but it, it, you showed me me you showed me myself and you showed me how awful how wicked i am how selfish i am just in this brief short time and i pray you forgive me god or make me like jesus in jesus name amen